0: Welcome to Homegrown History with Limestone County archivist, Rebecca Davis, and longtime Athens, Alabama native, Richard Martin. Each episode, Richard and Rebecca bring to life some of the famous and infamous stories etched in Limestone County's rich history.
1: Hello and welcome back to Homegrown History, your Limestone County history podcast. I'm Rebecca Davis, archivist at the Limestone County Archives. I'm here with my co-host...
2: I'm Richard Martin, the oldest one here.
1: Indeed, indeed. Ed, if you hear that little chuckle in the other mic, we are uh, very fortunate to have a special guest with us today. Joining us today is Sandy Thompson. She is the director of the Alabama Veterans Museum, which is also in Athens, just right down railroad tracks from the Limestone County Archives in the old uh, event center, Limestone County Event Center. I guess part of it's still the event center, isn't it?
0: Uh, We don't call it the event center anymore. We call it the event venue at the museum. Right. And so, Sandy... It is still rentable space. Yes.
1: Um, We'll talk more about the museum at the end of this podcast and give Sandy a chance to tell us a little bit more about some of the special exhibits and things they've got going on there. But the reason that we have Sandy here with us today is we wanted to have a conversation about world war one and world war two in limestone county because both of those wars touched um, limestone county in their own way even though it's not like the civil war where it was fought on our soil but I mean, they're really, Sandy, there really wasn't a family in the county that wasn't in some way or another touched by these wars, especially World War II. Is that right? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And Richard probably knows that. We all were touched. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. 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 Richard's got a
1: personal connection. Yeah.
0: From everything from recycling to right. using your fat for bullets. That's right. right. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And I've got a personal story in my family about um, some of the things that my great, great Aunt Doreen did. So, that kind of just gets us set up. Sadie. before we get started, tell us a little bit about what you do there at the museum and how you kind of came to be there and so active and involved with Limestone County's veterans.
0: Well, uh, I never imagined that I'd end up being a director at the museum, but um, I spent 22 years in the Air Force Mm -hmm. and um, ended up in Athens because my husband, he retired here and went to work at Redstone, and I retired from San Antonio, so I went from San Antonio, Texas, to Elkmont, Alabama. It was, <laughs> that was a culture yeah, shock, it was wasn't it? it? So um, once I realized that, okay, being retired is not really all it's cracked up to be, mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to get hired as the first director at the Veterans Museum. And what we do is we like to just honor all veterans, everything from the Revolutionary War. All the way up to modern day times. Now, when was that museum established? Uh, that actually opened in two thousand and two. Okay, the very limited in two thousand and two. Ken David, he's actually the father of the museum. Right. It was in remembrance of the was it the fiftieth anniversary of the end of World War Two. I think so. Yeah. And he wanted to have everybody go into their closets and bring their um, items in. And And boy
1: if you build it they will come right? (laughs) Absolutely. Well
0: after they had their little show nobody really wanted to take their stuff back because they didn't want to stick it back in the closet (laughs) because nobody could see it there. I mean that's it's honestly that's how we get a lot of our thing. Well I shouldn't say a lot. I should say 99.9% of our um, items are donated. So they come from the closets after right. unfortunately Uncle Joe has died or say um, my dad passed away. I knew he was in the military, but he never talked about it after he passed away. We found this in the closet. I mean, it's amazing what we have that's been sure. generated. So that's that's how it came to sure. be. And it's just grown from a small, small exhibit to a over 10,000 square foot exhibit hall with now we have our library, we have some virtual reality, we have classrooms. And like Very I was cool. saying, we were, we do have an event center, event space that we ran out.
1: You know, I remember it started out in the other train depot, right. and it was just in one little room and my mom actually volunteered over there back when all it was was just that one little room room with the the warehouse and all yeah that back at the very beginning yes and so to see it grow over the past 20 something years you know it has just been really it's and it's won several awards along the way too Uh, yes
0: we have we have and we've we've been very blessed with recognition Mm -hmm. and um funding from the state and the county and the city right you know and of course the community we couldn't do it without well it's a real positive thing for our community well in 20 years so you've been there
1: about 20 years huh 14
0: oh 14 years okay so during
1: that time i'm sure you have just really been blessed to talk to so many family members and to veterans and so on and just to hear their stories haven't you um
0: yes actually that's one of the best parts of the of the job is just talking to veterans and and every veteran has a story i don't care if you were in for a year or 25 years, you, right. know, you, you have a, a story. So exactly. We love hearing the stories. And we're actually doing a database of veterans. So if you're a veteran and you want to be part of our database, come on in and See Bob Borden, and he'll get you in our database. And in the future, if your family wants to look you up, they can just come into our library and look at our archives.
1: That is super cool. Well, and a lot of what we're going to talk about today, are, of course, especially the World War One soldiers are pretty much all deceased now, and the World War Two ones ones are... <laughs> well, I am going
0: to say, believe it or not, I only know of one World War Two veteran that's still with us, and that's Jack Hunter. Oh, yeah. And Jack yeah. Hunter just turned 97. Yeah. Wow. Seven. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we had cake yesterday for Jack Hunter, 97. He was a B 17 pilot. Yeah. And Julia Smith, who just turned 93, and she's our librarian. Oh. <laughs> and she was married to a Marine, too. Oh, sure. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's start in
1: just a little bit. Um, I know we you know World War 2 affected Limestone County and you know Limestone County soldiers more than World War 1 did but I was still wanted to talk a little bit about you know what happened here in Limestone County during World War 1 and then go into World War 2 and just as a refresher you know the U.S. entered World War One in 1916. Isn't that right? It was it 1917. Uh, I think it was 18. It? Okay. Well, I, I know by 1917 was... that there were some limestone 17. county. Yeah. yeah, there was a limestone yeah. county. Coast. I get it mixed up because the courthouse—they tore down the old 1835 courthouse and started building the one. That we have now in limestone county in 1916 and everything was going great until the war broke out and the price of materials skyrocketed and so it took it took until 1919 to get the thing built and the builder you know went bankrupt and had to bring in a local guy to finish the job and cut a few corners here and there which is why it cost what seven million dollars to renovate this last time but um and i know um, Faye Axford, who was a long-time Limestone County historian she has compiled i have a copy of you You hear me flipping pages that's what i'm looking through she has compiled the abstracts of the newspapers of limestone county from world war one and world war two and of course it's not just what was going on with the war it's you know who was getting married and who died and all this stuff but it's a really good resource to kind of look through and see and of course the newspapers are there at at the limestone county archives too and you see a lot of local folks who were leaving their post here in Athens and going into the same type position in the military. Mm -hmm. And so I know we had mentioned before we started recording Dr. Glaze, Dr. A.L. Glaze in Elkmont. He was a doctor. You knew of him, didn't you?
0: Right. We have a, just a short bio on him. I think mm-hmm. he left Elkmont and went to Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and, and served at the he, hospital there. Right.
1: right. He was an Army surgeon. Right. Right. And so you see people, you know, throughout the war, uh, during World War One, you see local people who were resigning their positions for um, a commission to serve in the war and to serve overseas. Right. And so what do you know just from your studies of World War I and the veterans
0: that you have highlighted there at the museum? We have quite an extensive World War I collection, but I guess the thing that surprises me or just baffles me is how people in Limestone County in a little town like Athens knew anything of our student Ferdinand mm-hmm. being assassinated, mm-hmm. you know, by the Serbians. This like, right. how, how does that translate? You know, how long does it take that kind of information to get to a small town like right. Athens? Right, mm-hmm. and for someone from Athens to say, "Okay, I want, I want to go across the water and and protect these people." I mean, today we do it all the time, but how did that work back then when they didn't have technology they didn't mm-hmm. have newspaper. you know I mean, they had well, newspapers they but, well at
1: the time you had right. the limestone democrat and alabama courier yeah. which you think about it, in this t- little bitty town yeah. there were two newspapers but of course one of them served the democrats and one of them served the republicans <laughs> yeah.
0: and so but they were printed at the same place yeah. I look just look think through, it's funny that, yeah. I mean people from a small town would want to go all the way you know over there to Austria and, and fight and then of course you know you get the Germans involved and the Russians and Right.
1: Well, and one thing I look at when I see the names of the men who were drafted and then who actually volunteered, a lot of them were some of the, um, I don't know if you want to say upper class, but you know, some of the ones from the right. older families and so right. on. A lot of them were the ones that were answering the call. And mm-hmm. then they're also, in World War One, you see a lot of black soldiers being called up right and of course you got to realize at that time the armed forces were segregated oh
0: absolutely
1: but we see a lot of um black soldiers who served from limestone county in world war one and one of the most interesting to me is a man named william kane and uh, william m kane he was a farmer in Mina and he was drafted and um he tried to get an exemption to care for his family he had had children but he was denied and so he had to serve over in France and on the very last day of the war he was wounded um, by gas so he was awarded the Purple Heart for his service. Now the reason we know a little bit about William Kane is that a few years ago um, there was a traveling exhibit that went all around the state about Alabama in World War One because there were a lot of Alabamians who fought in World War One. and one of the centerpieces of the exhibit was William Kane's Purple Heart and it ended up I think it's in the state archives but the alabama historical association that brought this exhibit in they really wanted to try to track down william kane's descendants to see if they could find out anything more about him and you know maybe even return the purple heart to his descendants so we put the word out and you know there's a lot of kane's c-a-i-n in limestone county to this day but we never were able to find the descendants of william kane so if anybody's listening to this and they go I know who that was. That was my great great granddaddy. Well, you can email us or call us and and give us a heads up because it would be nice to be able to make that connection between the soldier and the people who are still living today.
0: Yeah, I don't. We never found
1: anything on him. No, we didn't to revisit that well and richard you have a connection i saw that um lieutenant james martin was serving in chattanooga and his daddy wl went to go visit him right
2: he was drafted and he went in while i was in college and he stayed he he became an officer of training training the troops to go over now this was
1: your uncle right
2: this is my uncle and, uh, that's what he did during World War One. So he went up to Boston up in that era okay. and helped train the boys mm-hmm. to go off. But then he had a first cousin, Lawrence Martin. He went into the service in World War. He was going to Green Elementary School at yeah. the time and he heard he was going to get a whipping. So he jumped out the window <laughs> and caught a freight train, went to Detroit. <laughs> well, that
0: must have been a heck of a whooping if he <laughs> could to join the military right. instead of getting a whooping. And,
2: and he joined the army up there. And he, wow. he was a mess.
1: Where did he could, serve? Do you know?
2: No, he took care of me. He trained mules.
1: Oh, mules. Yeah. I thought <laughs> said mules. I <laughs> did too. <laughs> he trained mules for the Army in yeah. Detroit?
2: Uh, no, they sent him to Texas.
1: Oh, oh, okay. I <laughs> <laughs> was like, the twist and terms well, of this yeah, story just right. keep on going. Well, and of course, a lot of the men did serve overseas, but you you see a lot of the yeah. Longstone County folks were serving actually in places around the, the country. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, right? I don't know yes. if
0: you've seen in them. Uh, Marvin Crowley. No, tell me um, about him. Really. Oh, so he served in France in World War One. yes. And we have a new exhibit on his whole, on the whole family, the Crowley family, Crowley-Smith oh, family. Tell, tell a little bit more about that. Uh, well, Joe Crowley, I think yeah, Joe Crowley. Right, he was right. in the Navy on a ship, and then uh, there's several other family members, so we have a whole display on the Crowley That's family. That's cool. Yeah.
2: Jimmy Woodruff's grandfather served, right. and he got gassed. Oh, did he? he <laughs> and did. he died yeah. later on really did, yeah.
1: well that's how the william kane was wounded he was gassed yeah yeah, yeah. and it's, well, it's so sad to think of somebody who made it all the way through the war and on the literally the, the last day that's uh, when they yeah. are injured but you know gas doesn't know about peace treaties no. does it
0: and that's the start of trench warfare and all yeah, that and that's one, right one, that's when it got really bloody instead of just in the, you know in the revolutionary war he just stood up and said okay y'all ready Right, yeah. <laughs> world War One. they started, you know, digging trenches and, and right. throwing gas in there. and
1: Right, so. and it, at the time it was called the Great War because yeah. they thought this was the war to end all wars, you right. know, and that the whole world would never all join in the fight like that yeah. again. Of course, it wasn't that long before it did. Um, I do, I thought this was kind of a neat little tidbit. On November 1st of 1917, it says the first—this is from the newspaper—the first group of Negro soldiers left Athens for training at Fort Dodge, Iowa, the Reverend Holiday of the Village View Methodist Church, which is still in operation right. here in Limestone County, and uh, Luther McWilliams and Dr. Hill all spoke on the occasion, as well as Thomas Macklin Hobbs, who white guy who Hobbs Street is named uh-huh. after— and W.R. Walker and Fred Wall, which those are all white men. The Coleman Brass Band was brought by white citizens, and over 1,000 Negroes and whites gathered at the train station to see them off, while the men were saying that they were going to get that man who was causing all the trouble. They were talking about the Kaiser. And so um, I really thought that was cool. I never really knew that so many people turned out to see these black soldiers off. And the show of support by black and white, people from Athens and even from Coleman which is an almost exclusively white town was really something to I I feel like that kind of shows a lot of how much support there was behind the troops
0: you're going to war you're colored that's kind of Fades away. Fades away. Right. Well, and I'm kind of jumping ahead a little,
1: but that's, you know, part of what um, after World War II was over and all black people and white people had served, soldiers had served side by side and then came back to Athens. And all of a sudden they couldn't eat side by side and they couldn't learn side by side. And, you know, right after the war, it was in 1946. Six, that there was a race riot in Athens and it made in national Athens? headlines. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Richard's like,
2: oh, yeah. yeah no, it, it was bad. I, I saw it. Tell I was a little about. boy. I was down there at Bayless Hightower's house, Bill Hightower, and we could see them in the streets screaming and yelling. Yeah.
1: Oh I think I there was know. like 40 or 50 young men who were all arrested that yeah. night and black and white young men who had all, you know, because they had all gotten well, into Well, it
2: started with a drunk. <laughs> he was drunk. He got mad about a job, is mm-hmm. my understanding, and and then it went into that. Yeah. But nobody was killed. No, no. no property was burned. It's just ego.
1: Right. I do remember Anna Lee, whose father was the sheriff sure. at the time. Right. I remember her talking about how she she and her sister Marjorie Walker had to right. make biscuits oh, for all well, the yes, yeah. and well, and her husband also yeah, served in World War. He sure work. did. He was. Or was it, it World War II or Korea? Korea, yeah. Korea.
2: Walter Walter served yeah.
1: in Korea. Yes, um, they had to make biscuits for the inmates every morning, and yeah. so they had to get up at three o'clock that morning and make like a hundred something biscuits because every inmate had to have two biscuits. Oh. <laughs> so How they had to funny. make biscuits for all these rioters that were in the Athens jail. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, anyway. um, this this um, little notice about those soldiers all leaving. Also noted that Frank Pickett was probably one of the ones who was in that group that left that day with all of the um, local black soldiers. And at the time of the U.S. Bicentennial, he went to Washington, D.C. to sing the songs he had composed while, quote, going across the waters. And he was nearly 100 years old at that time. And one of those is entitled Mr. Wilson and the Kaiser. So I would love to find that song. I've never heard it, but apparently Frank Pickett, local soldier, penned a song, Mr. Wilson and the Kaiser. So maybe that's something that needs to be added to the interactive exhibits there at the museum. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, you're making a note. (laughs) Um, Let's see. It seems like I had a couple other things. Um, One of the things that I thought was really interesting was that, Limestone County really turned out, the women turned out, to support the soldiers. Um, There was a note of where the ladies of the town all saw the soldiers off and they made sure that they had New Testaments for every soldier and handed them out as they left. And um they led up uh war bond drives, liberty bonds liberty as they were bonds. called at the time. Yeah. And both during World War One and World War II, Limestone County was well over their quota. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars people bought. And you think about it, this was in a hundred years ago, how yeah. much money that was, um that people bought in liberty bonds, war bonds to support the war effort. And this is kind of neat. The county in 1918 the county demonstrator, which was the county extension like extension agent, began a course of instruction on making war breads. Is that something that you've seen? I know. Um, I know. At one time, I guess y'all still have the little victory kitchen right. exhibit. Well,
0: actually, it's a kitchen with. Mm-hmm. Um, cookbooks and everything, but I don't think I've ever heard of war bread. Right. I guess it's probably a reduced amount of flour. Yeah. And well, that's what it said. Add a little bit more lard or yes. a little bit more water. Or right.
1: More, right. Well, they used wheat substitutes such as right. peanuts, cornmeal, soybeans, and others. and yeah. They went to the basement of the Methodist Church to have all this instruction on how you can make bread not using oh. flour.
0: I wonder if that's where cornbread
2: started. No bread started a long time back. <laughs> <laughs> it started back in the I, I guess that's true back there with
0: the hard tack and the that's right. and the corn pone. hmm
2: That's yeah. a, the first business in Limestone County was a grist mill. Windy yeah. Mill. And that's what oh, yeah, they, that was
1: up in West Limestone, yeah, wasn't they it? Grind
2: yeah. corn to make cornmeal.
0: Now, is that still operational or no. still? There's, isn't there a mill up in. There is. There is the but,
1: Sim Quarter Mill. It's not in operation, but it is still up there on Highway 99, almost yeah. to the state line. But yeah. the
2: one I'm talking about, the Witty Mill Road mm-hmm. up in Elkhart. But anyway. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, you look at it. Oftentimes, patriotism ran so strong in the family that the whole family would enlist. In um, 1918, Thomas Evans of Slough Beach, which would be like the ripley Coxy, clements area, had nine sons and a son-in-law that were all registered for Mm -hmm. defense. And then there was another, C.C. Uh, C. Black, also Sliby, had eight sons and a son-in-law register. I almost wonder if there was a little competition between Mr. Evans and Mr. Black to see who <laughs> like, could get more sons registered.
0: Well, I don't know about that. It was probably just to feed them, too. <laughs> well, I mean, well I mean, honestly, that's the truth. Of, a lot of people went into the military just to eat. Get clothes. Yeah, clothed,
1: so by 1918, that's when the you know cessation of of the conflict, and that's when soldiers started coming home, and and then there was an afterwar effort. Uh, I thought this was kind of neat. In 1918, the movie "Why America Won" was shown at the Dixie Theater, which the Dixie was up on the square at one time. But yeah, they showed that movie there, and and you know folks started coming back to business as usual, and. We thought we had fought the war to end
0: all wars, and well, it's amazing we only had twelve people from Limestone County get killed in World War Two. Is that all? Or, or World War I. One, which yeah. I mean, twelve yeah. is too, or too oh, many, if, but still, if it's your family, that's right. a lot. When, when you, you consider really how consider many soldiers, the millions that were killed, to only have
2: twelve, 20, right?
0: 20,
1: now, 20 World War Two was a different story, though, wasn't oh, it? World War Two was definitely. A
2: different story. Story. we
1: can we can go into that now. Um,
2: well, World War Two was kind of a spinoff of World War One. And then we had a bunch of dictators come in office in Russia and Germany and Japan. And then Japan invaded the islands of Vietnam and all that and to get the rubber. And then World War II then started really to about September of 1939 when Germany raided Poland.
0: Right. And that yeah. really
2: kicked it off.
0: Actually, interesting thing about that, we just had an exhibit at the museum that the Polish embassy paid for. It's called the Institute of National Remembrance in Poland. And just to go a little bit farther back, I went to Poland a few years ago. I went to the World War II Museum over there and I met the director. Well, he ended up asking me to be on a committee to pick the monument for Westerplot. Westerplatte mm-hmm. is actually the first invasion of Poland, right. the right. first place where the Germans went in. So they're doing a new monument out there. But they asked me to be on that committee wow. to pick that. What a great up. opportunity. It, it was wonderful. But unfortunately, COVID knocked me out of jail. Oh, no.
2: Right.
0: But not to be outdone, we just had an exhibit that the Institute paid for on Veterans Day, and it was about General Anders' army. And General Anders is the one that led the Poles out of Russia after Germany turned on Russia and they got into right. it because, of course, yeah. first they were allies. And this whole exhibit's called Trails of Hope, Odyssey of Freedom, mm-hmm. and it's about General Anders and his army, and they led these Polish people, Polish prisoners, out of Russia, back into Poland. And um, I am actually going to Poland in April oh, to sit on a panel to okay. talk about that exhibit. That's great. Yeah, so you just yeah. never know That's how, right. you know, something so insignificant as visiting a museum can turn into this international relation between museums. That's very cool. We're so very proud of our, I don't want to say our little museum here, but when we're talking a state museum on the caliber of like the World War II museum in New Orleans. Which I would recommend anybody going to if you get a chance. I mean, and this World War II museum in Gdansk is just fabulous. Yeah. But, But it's just amazing that you don't think how that relates back to Athens, But, of course, you know, everybody was affected by World War II. Absolutely. And this is exactly where it started, you know, how how it started. And, and like I said, Westerplot was – and I didn't know that until I went to Poland. Right. You know, I mean, I knew that, like everybody else, that the war started because Germany invaded Poland. But I didn't know where – I knew why sure but, you know.
1: well and you say everybody knows but you know we're now coming on 100 years removed and right. a lot of people don't you know especially yeah. younger people don't know I mean, Maybe they've studied you know in school but it's not yeah. it's not in the collective memory which is why I think it is so important to have the museums and the archives to help keep that present and help tell that story and people can understand now is that a permanent exhibit or is that something that's going
0: to it's just going to be popped up once a year maybe twice okay um, and it's 20 panels, and it okay. tells a story. It's fascinating. If you ever want to come look at the museum, we have a couple exhibits on it. And there's one on, I don't know if you ever heard of the story of Voytek the bear, the bear uh-huh. soldier. Uh-uh. Yeah, when they were coming back from Russia, they met this orphan who had a bear cub. So General Andrews Army adopted this male cub. that's cool. they taught this bear to carry ammunition. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Look it up. I will. Well, that's part of what's in that exhibit there at the museum, too? Well, this is in a permanent exhibit at the museum. Okay. Poles actually brought me, uh, like, a bear, and and there's a game for kids to learn about it. But, But it's really neat. But I had never heard of, you know check the military, boot. right? It's sort of like studying
1: Limestone County history. You just when you think you know it all, you find out another little tidbit right. of some connection, some something that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And with World War II, you know, Limestone County soldiers really didn't start signing up and enlisting until after Pearl Harbor, did they?
2: Yeah, Pearl Harbor broke it wide open. right at
1: the end of 1941 when the japanese bombed pearl harbor right. right and that's when and the the friends of the archives a few years ago and we still have them available for purchase at the archives they published a book uh limestone county Journal world war to volume one right and it's just the transcription of all the newspapers and the newspaper articles uh-huh. and the pictures and so on and it starts with pearl harbor and it yeah. goes to the end of 1942 but you can see how much People just, in Lomestom County, just jumped
0: in with both feet. Oh, well, you know, speaking of Pearl Harbor, and uh, Mr. Gross, Edgar Gross, remember Mm -hmm. Seaman Gross? Yeah. He uh, actually died at Pearl Harbor. He went down on Oklahoma. Mm -hmm, We have mm -hmm. an exhibit on him, too, and I don't know if y'all remember, but five years ago, they finally identified his remains at Pearl Harbor, and he was part of that DPPA DNA Mm -hmm, now, and it took them years. Stephen Gross, his nephew lives down. He works for the Aniston Star, and uh, before he contacted me, we had a a little exhibit that had some pennies that were on the Oklahoma, and uh, when Stephen Gross contacted me and said that he was trying to do DNA to prove that these remains were his Uncle Edgar's, who uh, he was actually in his 40s. He had gotten out of the military and went back in. And then they, mm-hmm. they sent him to Pearl Harbor. but it's Where like, he thought he was just perfectly safe, yeah, just well, enjoying the beaches in Hawaii. Exactly. <laughs> he went down on the Oklahoma. Wow. And, um We actually brought him back, I think it's five years ago, for Memorial Day. I do remember, do remember that. that? Mm-hmm. We had a drive-by with the yeah. remains and the casket. And then they did the caisson, you know, the horse-drawn carriage. It was one of the most emotional things oh, I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah, yeah. so. Now on display, we actually have a piece of the USS Arizona, and we have his uniform that was set back with him mm-hmm. with his remains. In a, a whole display. So, yeah. We
2: need to go up and revisit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody everybody needs to. and It's just so everybody be
0: aware of yeah. the
1: resources and the exhibits and all that you have there. But How we, much you can learn about going up there. We've just
0: grown so much since we moved. Oh, sure. You know, we were so Great. blessed when we got this building. And we have so many new exhibits. Just yeah, so I know.
1: Moves. I took my niece and nephews and my kids there a couple years ago when they came to visit from Texas. And we spent half a day up there. Yeah, you can, especially <laughs> if you like to read. Yeah, well, we're kind of history nerds, yeah. isn't might imagine well let's talk a little bit about what limestone county folks did to jump into the war effort because obviously lots and lots of young men and women i do want to mention that at the time people didn't know if it was just going to be overseas we didn't know if what had happened at pearl harbor could ultimately That's happen right to, here well it and, wasn't
0: just overseas they attacked no, pearl harbor right was, well
1: and the huntsville you know. at the time it was called yeah. the huntsville arsenal Had just been established right before the war. Yep. So we're right down the road from the arsenal, you know, we we consider a target. And so I saw that the mayor, R.H. Richardson at the time, led their first practice blackout. And they had a blackout here in Athens. Everybody had to. It said in less than four minutes. Do you remember
2: that, Richard? I remember it very well.
1: I'll tell it what My it said, dad? and then you tell about it. It said in less than four minutes after the city's signal lights were blinked three times at 8.55, the town was in total darkness. There were a few exceptions, such as the prominent merchant who had left his usual light burning in the office. That wasn't your daddy, was it? No. <laughs> <laughs> he got in his car to go to the office to turn it out, and he was stopped by police and had to phone friends to break the glass and turn out the light and said more also had a blackout. So they were practicing. Tell, tell us about that.
2: Well, my father was in the neighborhood. He was the headmaster for that neighborhood. And when that whistle went off, we all had to go in the middle of the house and cut off the lights. Then he would walk around and see who had their lights on and get after him. Mm, and, uh, mm-hmm. of course, you know... We, your dad was the enforcer. Right. And, of course, my sister was... Scared and I grabbed and I says, the Japs going to get you. Oh, my God. <laughs> you were such they, a bratty
1: little brother. They're going to come
2: get you. My mother, with forgot. Oh, my
1: <laughs> goodness. You deserved but, it. So tell us a little bit more about your dad and yeah. what your memories of World War II mm-hmm. here Richard.
2: Well, he didn't go in about 1944, I think. Uh, he was drafted. Mm-hmm. His brother was on the draft board, but he was drafted with uh, age 36 and four children. You know, they
1: were uh-huh. scraping the bottom of the barrel by then, weren't well, they? I thought your daddy was on the draft board.
2: No, he's my uncle, Mister Robert Carl Martin. Now, Fred, so what
0: did your daddy do?
2: He was head of the uh, metal and scrap, iron, scrap, you know, scrap iron. which was a big yeah. thing here yeah. too, wasn't right. it? Okay. Uh-huh. But anyway, he got drafted, and so what they were doing—they were building up, getting ready for Patton to rush mm-hmm. in, and they needed a bigger army, and that's the reason why they were taking everything. And he just had to be at the right place at the right time. Was the wrong time? No, he got to go in the Navy instead of the Army. Uh, he says, some Navy man you will be in the Navy? says, yes, sir, I do. Stamped it, and he went on in the Navy. So he missed patents. Where did he, he serve? He served in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. He went to the Pacific and stayed out there and... Then he served on the USS Alabama for 13 months.
1: Now, you've been down there visiting Mobile, haven't you? We've been
2: down there with him. He took us through it and showed us and Uh, showed us where he slept and all like that. What
1: was that like for y'all to actually be right there where your dad had served? Well,
2: you're about to make me cry right
1: now. (laughs) That's fine. We can cry on this (laughs) podcast.
2: But it, it was unreal. And then what the touching thing was, when he came out, there were a bunch of little girl scouts. And when they heard he was a veteran, they wanted his picture with them.
1: You'll make me cry,
0: too.
2: (laughs) But anyway, we got lots of letters that he wrote back, and we've written a family history of it all and explained everything, what all he did and the USS Alabama did and all. It was was unreal.
1: So he was writing letters kind of back and forth to your mama at the time? Yes,
2: and some of the letters... uh, you could see where they cut it out. Right. Because right. it's sensitive. Right. And we never found none of the love letters. <laughs> <laughs> your mama may have just yeah. kept it from prying eyes. I noticed in one letter, Daddy wrote, says, I appreciate your letter the 21st and the 22nd and the 23rd and the 24th.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we never a, did find uh, those. I, see,
2: I see.
0: Well, you know, the Martins have a display at the museum too, a family mm-hmm. display. Yeah. Right there uniforms and the daddy's peacoat from yeah. the navy yeah yeah yes
1: tell the story about the family picture that's one of my favorites
2: well we wanted to send a picture to daddy and mother lined us up with olin mills and uh, so we all dressed up we went up there and and we got in there to take our picture and the man says, now y'all smile. We're going to send this picture to your daddy fighting in the war. Well, we almost start crying. <laughs> that's what you don't know, see in it. We smile. I got a thing to say to a
0: kid. Right. <laughs> right.
2: I think so anyway, we had the picture made and it's a family heirloom is. well
1: and we've shared that at the very beginning the first episode of the podcast I think we shared it and we'll share it again with yeah. this episode but yeah. the,
2: one of the cutest things daddy would always put cartoons in his yes. letters and uh, we were just excited about getting letters from him and uh
1: well, it seems like I transcribed one or two of those letters for you. Oh, exactly. And there were all these little drawings
0: right. on the side. And, right. There it is. Oh, yeah. Ow.
2: Oh, there's I the letter. I don't think I've ever
0: seen these. Do uh, we, we don't have these No, You're
2: going to get all this. Oh, okay. We put it in the book. Then mm-hmm. we're going to have a family World War II thing. Okay. You're going to get it. See, that's an actual copy of a letter that he. Well,
0: had, he was quite the artist. And he, he was quite an artist. <laughs> he really he was. Had,
2: you know, he was sitting there waiting on time and all like that. But the USS Alabama, it missed some of the battles, but it had, it was into a lot of big ones too. And right. It was, well, and it's,
1: that's a really cool thing. If you're ever in Mobile, it's a really cool thing to just go and do and see. Even right. if you think you're right. not into military history or whatever. Right. But just to go on board that ship and down below the deck and just imagine what it was like because. I always like to imagine what the smell must have been. I don't really like to imagine, yeah. but especially on some um, of these the, the sh- summer baths with all these men yeah. down uh, the at Cuba.
2: I was on a troop ship. Yeah. And the air flowed good, except yeah. when they cooked liver. Oh God. <laughs> I lost sixteen pounds.
1: You sure did miss your mama's cooking, did not oh, you? Oh, oh, oh. Well, my, um, my Grandpa Wolf served in World War II, and he was from Coleman, and he lived in Decatur. And he, he never really talked just a whole lot about his service. But now I do remember whenever he got to be in his late 80s, early 90s, and his mind started slipping He really lost his connection between present and the past, and so you come in there to visit. Hey, Grandpa, how was your day go? Oh, it's been a crazy day. We shot. I was flying over that island. We shot. Must have shot down at least fifty of them Japs. In his mind,
0: he was still a tail gunner. You know, my grandfather was the same way. He was a combat medic in World War II, and he was in and went all over um, Europe and Italy. And he was what they call shell shock. Yes, PTSD PTSD, today, and he was so. So wounded, so messed up right. from the war that that was back in the day that they, when the VA actually shocked treatment them, you know, they mm-hmm. actually shocked him. But speaking of the same thing, he would get my grandmother down behind the bed and think that the Germans were invading yeah. and just, yeah, that's it was, all right. Oh, and it was it, horrible. It right. And, oh, and we think
1: about the losses in the war, which I don't think we ever
0: came up with a number. I they were
1: think it was about 70. Probably about 70? Yeah. But then you've got other losses like that that aren't so apparent, right. you know. And right. and actually, people who died before they ever made it over there, I mean, you think about Skylar Pryor, yeah. who was in training to fly for the U.S. Army Air Corps, which later became the right. Air Force, at what is now Pryor Field. Yeah and crashed and died well Well, it never served outside of
0: limestone county looking at this list there's just almost as many people who died non-battle injuries like we say sickness um car wrecks or the other one is non-battle and then we have the die of wounds
1: right exactly so they may have come back home but eventually one or another so it certainly had an impact on the people here in Limestone County, and like you mentioned, there were rubber drives. That women were oh, they couldn't wear silk stockings. I, yeah. I remember seeing pictures of like some sort of advertisement of some like paint women would right. would, would put put a stripe paint, up your leg. Yeah, they paint a stripe <laughs> like you, you, I think I want to say I saw some woman was putting gravy on her leg oh, because I, it looked like the you know paint and, and draw a stripe up the back I of her did, leg. You know, and all these things there. because nylon and silk had to be using that rubber. We, there's pictures right. in the the newspapers here of pickup trucks just piled high with tires. As for kids, we would go
2: around and pick up rubber, we'd pick up scrap metal, uh, keys would have keys and turn keys in. They make bullets. And really? That's what we thought we were doing for the war. That right. was our job. Well, you yeah. were. Well,
1: you were, yeah. Right. And get I mean, the it cardboard was
2: cardboard and the newspapers and all that. Right? Yeah.
1: Well, and this is my favorite local World War II story because it's personal. Um Growing up here, my family wasn't from here. And so I just never thought I had any connection. And one day I was at the archives. And after I started working there, I discovered that like my, my great-great-grandma lived here and I had some family here. Well, I was looking through the newspapers one day and there was a Limestone Democrat article with a picture of these women. And there was a name under the picture that caught my eye, Jereen Turner. I was like... That's my great great aunt. I remember Jereen. She died when I was about five, and she was mean.
0: Oh, she was such she was a mean woman back like, then. Where I'm telling that, you, she was look mean. At
1: their life. Well, I got to looking, and as it turns out, Jereen she actually was the granddaughter of the folks who ran McCully Mill out in East Limestone. But she and several other women. They were the first ones in Athens to learn how to do riveting work. Oh, yeah. oh. And it says, this was in 1942. There was an article in the paper that said, Athens women prepare to do war work and I just I love the way it's written it says although the measuring cup and frying pan may occupy their hands during the daytime <laughs> a number of Athens women discard them when 7 o'clock rolls around each evening and tie themselves to a class in sheet metal work which in a few weeks will enable them to make repairs to fighting planes or help turn out bombers that will lay waste to Tokyo and there's a couple of pictures of these women and Jareen is in these pictures in dresses she was wearing like a striped wrap dress and low heels and they're working on sheet metal (laughs) in these dresses and it was it was at Athens high school um Mary Frances Barksdale there were several different women we'll share this picture but there were several different women who were in this inaugural class and then Doreen was the first one to get a job in the field so I've always been a little obsessed with Rosie the Riveter, and when I found out that my great great aunt Jereen was the first Rosie the Riveter from Athens, I was like,
0: you know, I was like, where did go, girl?
1: I know where does she
0: Where does she go? So
1: she went to Memphis when she completed the course in October. She went to Memphis and was working there, and then after the war. All of a sudden, like so many women who had done war work, when the men came back, they're like, thanks, we'll take over now. that's right, right. And she found herself out of a job. So she went to Detroit, and she stayed up there for many, many years until she retired and moved back to Alabama. And that's when I knew her. And, you know, by that time, she was an older lady. She had spent all these years... Working in men's work, having to basically prove herself just as a woman—I think so. She sense. did metal fabrication work, probably mm-hmm. for the auto industry up there. I'm pretty sure. And so, um, I just have a renewed respect for her and for all of these women who—you know—you got to realize up till World War II. Being a a wife and mom and daughter and sister in Athens, Alabama meant you trained yourself in the genteel arts, you know, and you did not... Southern ladies. Yes, exactly. And, you know, a lot of these women flipped the switch. And, and, you know, as we've seen over the course of American and world history since World War II, it really changed every... I mean, it changed a lot of things. You know, you got the baby boom and then you've got so many women that wanted to stay in the workforce. And, of course, here in Athens... In Limestone County, the post-war meant a big baby boom and, you know, a lot of growth in... Housing? Uh, well, housing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Right? Oh, and By yeah. the time and the 50s, you know, the golden age. Right. You know, the right. 50s. What a time that would have been to be around. Oh, Shake, rattling, rope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look back and it just looks like... The most wholesome time, you know. Right. Yeah. Everything was good. We won the war. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what was it like for you, Richard, being a kid during the war years and then the post-war years as you were growing up here?
2: Well, when Daddy gone, we had to walk everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, we had to ride our bikes. And the mother would call up to the grocery store and we would go get the groceries. Freddie would or David would. And then after the war, with Daddy home, it was just a, a beautiful world. You know, I just I was just an innocent little boy. I didn't know any of the difference. Everything was good all the time. But anyway, it was a great life.
1: Yeah, um, Lefford French is another soldier that I know. He I don't he know if was, you uh, want to talk to him a little bit because oh, he, just briefly. Like or if there were was, any uh, soldiers, World War Two soldiers specifically whose stories
0: just have really oh, captivated you. Like you, you, you said here. earlier, there's just so many. And I just wish that uh, our dear Jerry Barksdale. Oh, oh, yes. oh a, He'd be in this room right now. He could remember all of them. All I'd have to do is say one word. He'd be like telling me about right. but everything about him. But well, and we've got his book right well, here on the table. he called. You know, and, and do you sell that book at the office? Actually, we don't have any right now. I'm waiting on his son to get us some more. It's, okay. It's so right. get her some. Yeah. Need <laughs>
1: yeah. It's called When Duty
0: Called by right. Jerry Barksdale, and, and it's all about local World War II soldiers. Yeah. And, of course, like you were talking about, Lippin French, he was the most highly decorated soldier from Limestone County. Mm-hmm. And we do have his uniform, and I'm not sure if you know the story about his May West. Tell us. He tell was, us. He was on uh, Push the Button Now, right? And he. Wait, that's lost- the name of
1: the airplane? Push the button now? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's great. I love hearing the names of the planes yeah. and the art, you know, yeah. the pinup girls they painted on the sides and all yeah. that. So,
0: <laughs> anyway, the so plane was getting shot down. Instead of bailing, he decided to go down with the aircraft. But in the meantime, he lost his May West or his inflation device. Oh, uh-huh. Water inflation. They found it in nineteen eighty seven in France. Really? Somebody found it and sent it back to him. Oh my and god. Well we wow. have that on the Yeah. Right? So it had like yeah. his did it have his name it and had his, his serial, name,
1: has a serial number. That's wild. Yeah. Oh it's crazy, <laughs> yeah.
2: And we have
0: that on display.
1: Well and the Frenches were another one of those families that went all the way back.
0: They've been in Limestone County since Dirk was in there. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we have him and his brother's stuff on on display and I think one of my favorite I guess one of my favorite stories is Buford Franklin is- oh
1: but Buford and Valeria that's a whole story too yeah yeah, yeah. Mean, just Buford was a really nice guy I went to church for him when I was growing up he and his, his wife was Valeria and that's right yeah. he had served with his best friend Comrade in arms yeah right? and and he said look if I die come back and come take up. care of Valeria and, so he did he came back and married and, her? And what didn't he like show up at the skating rink or something and said is there a woman here named Valeria or something like so that probably and uh but they stayed married until yeah. until they died yeah
0: and that story's in this book too yeah. so yeah There's just so many stories like that that would just never you know, you just never know what you're going to...
1: Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and Nell
0: Lutz, and she just died oh, a few years ago. So She's, tell us a little more. bit about yeah. her. She was a Navy wave. Uh, Nell was very special. Oh, she, she, was. Was. Yeah, she was. She was a beautiful lady. Was. And she was in World War II. She was actually from Florida, though, right? And her was husband, you? what was it, Frank? Yes. Right, Frank Lute. Frank was in, yeah. in the Navy also. Yeah.
1: I know she lived here until she died. Well, she was still living just a few years ago yeah. when we did The Way We Work. Her uniform is on display as well, isn't it? Right.
2: Another veteran, Winston Garth. Oh, yes. Winston got shot down and went to the camp. And on the way to the camp, he saw an American soldier lying down, so he helped pick him up and it was Dr. Donovan. He Just said,
1: having to be a local guy, huh? You no, know, yeah.
2: he was from Mississippi. Oh. And he got to talking and he says, I'm from Mississippi. And he told him, he said, Well, you know, uh, Louise Beasley, that's my sister. That's Jim Beasley's yeah. wife. So they stayed in prison war for a while because Winston was a flyer and got shot down.
1: Right. Well, you know we could we could talk about this all day. There's so many stories, but I want to recommend if we whetted the whistle and whatever your appetite for more information about local soldiers in World War One and World War Two and the local thing. There's a few resources I think people need to know about. Some of them we've mentioned. Of course, the Fay Axford books, Limestone County During World War One and World War 2 We've got them we available for purchase yeah, at the Limestone County yeah. Archives. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's just, you know, and it's index, abstracts. Those are available from the Friends of the Archives. Um, also, Limestone County During World War Two, which is the full text of the articles, yeah. plus lots of photos. And pretty much all the photos of soldiers were taken from the World War II honor rolls, which was really interesting. So the newspaper published the World War II honor rolls, which were pictures and basic information of all the local white soldiers. It told who their parents were, where they were serving, and so on. Um, We have a couple copies of those original honor rolls. I think y'all do, too. We do. Mm -hmm. And um, the black community answered with their own and so they themselves pulled together pictures from the community and the teachers at trinity helped put this together and they published their own which was called the colored honor roll and so there are two separate ones and we have we have scans of those we don't have one of the originals but we do have scans of it there at the archives as well we
0: do have some
1: books that mm-hmm. colonel, walker, colonel yeah. walker put that yeah. together yeah. that's um specifically lists the black soldiers mm-hmm. in World War Two. And there were some local folks that ended up serving like in the Tuskegee Airmen. Yes. And
2: um some bear down
1: I can't remember that. Legtown the
2: Cemetery. Mm-hmm.
1: There were several black soldiers who served in World War II. There's also When Judy Called by Jerry Barkstell, which right. is not available on Amazon. It may be available on his website. And y'all are going to get more there at the, yes, at the museum. So. And then soon. if you just want to start doing some research, the enlistment and discharge records for World War One, World War Two. And I think maybe Korea. Anyways, they are all at the probate office and they're indexed on the master index of the Limestone County Archives at limestonearchives.com. But to get an actual copy of the record you can go to the Limestone County probate office you have to be a family member and so on but you can actually get a copy of your ancestors enlistment record discharge record shows who they were and what they where they served and all of that and so there's a lot of places where you can go just here locally to get more information about people who served in these wars and about how Athens and Limestone County were affected by that not to mention of course Go into the Veterans Museum, and you all,
0: it's not only a museum, but you all have an archives there. We do. We have a, a full library with over 5,000 books, strictly military books. And as I said before, Bob Borden is heading up our database and he's doing all the research on, and they don't have to just be from Limestone County, mm-hmm. it could be any veteran. So if you have a veteran or you are a veteran and you want to put your name in this database, we'd be more than happy to have you. That's it.
1: fantastic. Mm-hmm. So is it veterans all over the U.S. or Alabama or what? A- anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great resource. Yeah. Is that something that's only accessible there at the museum or is it something that you're looking uh, at putting online as well? Right
0: now it's only at the museum. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the future we can put it online, but we've gathered the information online. We're just putting it together. That's a really great yeah. resource. Yeah. You
2: need to go to that man and... You're going to have to go several times. Yes. This is so much to see. Right. And it's right here. Gosh.
1: Right. And it's, it's on Pryor Street, right next to River Tracks in Athens. What are your hours? We're open Monday through Saturday from 9 to 3. Monday through Saturday, 9 to 3. If folks want to look up more information, what's your website?
0: Uh, www.alabamaveteransmuseum.com. Easy so, peasy lemon course, squeezy. Spell yeah, out Alabama, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Alabama course, Veterans Museum. Facebook. Okay, That's yes. Course. And on Facebook, Facebook is Alabama
1: Veterans Museum. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, is there anything else that y'all either of you can think to add about this?
2: I'm just glad I lived through it. Me too.
1: Me well, too. We really have this resource right here in our own backyard. Right, and I'm glad your daddy lived through
2: it too. Oh God, where are you talking
1: about? <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Sandy, thank you so oh, much, and thank you. For and you me. Yes, absolutely, and thank you to all of you for listening. And we will join you next time for another episode of
0: Homegrown History. You've been listening to Homegrown History, presented by the Athens-Limestone County Public Library and the Limestone County Archives in Athens, Alabama. For more information and to submit questions or suggestions, please visit limestonearchives.com. And to hear other recordings from our Library Voices series, check out our website at alcpl.org. You can also listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.